Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. This message is, is sort of inspired by this, I guess, last several weeks when we, um, if you're not a sports enthusiast, don't worry, I'm not going to stay on this long. Um, when the tide kind of turned for uh, the Bengals, to me, and maybe if you're a player, you see a whole lot more stuff behind the scenes. But for me, was when we beat Kansas City to go into the playoffs, and there was momentum behind that win as you went into every game. You couldn't really explain it, uh, but there was just a sense of momentum behind us that took us to the Super Bowl. And I think that that principle in sports is a spiritual principle. I think it's a biblical principle. And so I wanna talk to you today about the blessing of momentum, the blessing of momentum. Let's look at verse 34. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion, number one, and the bear, number two. So this uncircumcised Philistine, this giant, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the same God that rescued me from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine in Jesus' name. It is real to me that if you're facing an obstacle, if you're facing something bigger than you, a key to overcoming most things in life is the blessing of momentum. David here is talking to King Saul in this story and he says real clearly, the reason I know I can take on Goliath, the reason I'm full of confidence when it comes to facing this giant is because if you look back on my life, you'll discover I'm on a roll. You'll discover that momentum is with me. Momentum is the result of successful endings. It's not the result of successful beginnings. It's the result of successful endings. Because what happens with most of us is we begin something. We begin a new year, we, we have the Daniel fast, we kick off the 100 days of prayer, and in the beginning, it's exciting. In the beginning, you think, okay, this is my year. This is gonna be an incredible year. I, and, and you start off with that excitement, but eventually the excitement kind of fades away and, and it starts to be difficult and the discipline sets in and, and all of a sudden you're not having the emotional reward that happens at the beginning and all you have is just a sheer commitment that you made to press through and then you're doing it and you're not getting anything out of it or you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it, you're not seeing any results uh, openly and so you start to say, you know, do I really need to do this? Is this really something that I should do? And the point is that we lose momentum because we confuse excitement with momentum. Excitement happens in the beginning. I get it when I say I wanna do something, when I say I desire to do something. But momentum is different. Momentum builds 
and it gets stronger towards the end of a thing. The Bible says God is the author of our faith, but are you thankful that he also goes on and says, don't forget, I'm also the finisher of your faith. Because God's not just interested in doing something in your life to begin or to start something. God understands that really, if he's going to see momentum happen in your life, he's going to have to be there to see you through the finish line as well. Momentum, from my experience, is one of those things that sneaks up on you. You do all these things every day and, and no one's seeing it and no one's acknowledging it and you're doing it because you have the conviction that it's the right thing to do. You're doing it because you feel deep on the inside that this is what I'm called to do. This is the right thing to do. And maybe it was a dream early on that led you or maybe it was something else, but, but you're, you're doing the right things, but no one else is really seeing much to it. And even you're not seeing much to it. And through that time, you'll watch a lot of people that seem to get things quicker or they seem to get things easier. And you're going through just the, the, the consistent daily grind of doing this thing that you believe God's put in your heart and your life. All your friends walk out on the marriage because it's the easy thing to do. But you're just in the grind of that thing. You're just, they just, everybody else is quitting and jumping to this job for a dollar, but you're staying with the company and you're staying because you, you believe in being faithful and, and doing what you set out to do. And I'm not trying to get in anybody's business necessarily. Other people are walking away from their education and doing, but, but you're having to stick with it. Now you're going to graduate school and now you're getting your master's and now you're going after the, and everybody else seems to be having it, but it's difficult to stay with it. But all of a sudden, one day, when you do the things that other people are unwilling to do, you wake up and there's this momentum. And you look around and you're like, how did, where did this momentum come from? But the truth is, you would know it goes back to all these places other people decided to go the easy way. So excitement flares up, but momentum builds up. Momentum is the series of small victories that end up turning into a larger victory. Momentum is something that's found in the small victories. So I would say it like this, that as a pastor, I've learned over the years that every small victory, I have to keep putting it in front of the church. Every time someone gets saved, and we, we celebrate Dream Team Rally every, every single Sunday, and we talk about this many people gave their lives to Christ. This many people got baptized. Because as a church, what I never want us to do is think that that's a, that's a small thing. Like, that's, a, that's not a little, it's not a small thing. We, 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 we have the Super Bowls throughout the year, right? You have Easter, and you have Christmas, and you have these times where everything is, is, but you have these other times where we're just celebrating fasting, and we're celebrating prayer, and we're celebrating Sunday night prayer. Just, it's just small victories. They're not big victories, but we know that, that it's the small victories. We just had our heart for the house thing. And, and I don't know if what they've talked to you about. I, I, I keep forgetting where we're at on some of the communication stuff. But what 
what I do know is that we have all these big initiatives, but the first initiative we knocked out was buying a bus. Now, the bus is a charter bus. It's a nice bus. It's an expensive bus, and we're excited about that bus, but it's the smallest of all the initiatives, but it's the first one we decided to knock out. That's the easiest one. Let's, get, let's start getting the momentum going this year. Let's start, let's start building up the momentum. The very first thing I did is I set the staff down after we had a record offering. It was a big deal and amazing. Everybody's looking at it saying, wow, this is great. First thing I did is said, okay, now we gotta go to work. Now you know we gotta pull all this stuff off. Now you know we have to execute. Why? Because I understand that it's the small victories. It's the little victories that you have to acknowledge and say, okay, check, that one's done. How are we doing on this one? How, how are we gonna work this one? How are we gonna knock this one out? And I want to just take a minute and encourage you that you're maybe not seeing the big victories. But if you started the 100 days of prayer and you're like, well, I, I missed some days. But hey, you've knocked out more days than you ever have before. It's the small victories. You're like, well, I said I would read the Bible and I only read it for four days and then I lost four days and so now I'm discouraged. You made it four days. You gotta go back and celebrate the small victories. Even the things that are happening behind the scenes that you don't see, you have to learn to celebrate the small victories because momentum is lost when you stop moving forward. Momentum is one of the easiest things to lose and one of the hardest things to gain. Momentum will make you look way better than you are. No, momentum will make you look way worse than you are. Remember Paul the apostle, he was shipwrecked and he's on this island and he goes to gather some firewood and as he gathers, gathers the firewood, a, a viper, a poisonous viper bites Paul and they immediately look at Paul and think he's like a demon, like he's this evil person. The only person that is shipwrecked, almost dies at sea, then barely makes it to shore, freezing to death, going through hypothermia so much so that they have to build a fire. Then he goes to build a fire and a poisonous viper bites him that they know basically means he's dead, he's gone. The only way that many bad things can happen to anybody is this guy is evil, he's bad, he's a demon, something's wrong with him. But then he doesn't die. And you know what they do? They start calling him a god. They start worshiping him. And Paul has to say, listen, I wasn't the demon you tried to make me out to when bad things were happening, and I'm not the god you're trying to make me out to when everything's looking good. What was he saying? No momentum made me look way worse to you. A lot of momentum makes me look way better to you. I'm not either one of those things. I'm just a human being that I understand if I obey and follow God that he'll give me momentum, but that momentum should not make me anybody special. That momentum should just be a message to people that, hey, if you'll continue to do the right things, even if it looks bad, even if it looks evil, God will give you momentum. John Maxwell said, the size of your problem is not the problem. Your problem is a lack of momentum. It's a decision to value the small wins. I have to make a decision. You made it to church today. Victory. You had your hands lifted and you were singing songs. That some of the things you were declaring are the exact opposite of what you're seeing every day in your life. Check. Victory. 
Every time you pray, every time you use your gifts, every time you're a part of an environment that's reaching out, every time you're, you're a part of, of a place, a small group, this thing or that thing where a soul is revived, an addict is delivered, a marriage is healed, a lost son or daughter comes home. Every one of those wins you are to celebrate because in the midst of that, God is combining the small victories and all of that together will create the force and the blessing of momentum. Momentum is a Bible principle. The greater you have momentum, the greater you'll see influence in your life. If you have no momentum, you see no influence. If you have little momentum, you have little influence. But if you have great momentum, you will have great influence. If I took a slingshot and I pulled it back just a little bit, then you would know that that, that rock that I have in that slingshot would just kind of, just because I don't have very much pressure and tension on it, it wouldn't go very far. So my job is to create as much pressure as possible so when the momentum is behind that rock, it has maximum influence on the object it hits. So if you have little influence, you have little impact on the object you encounter. But if you have maximum influence, then you have the maximum impact. Momentum creates that impact when you hit it or that influence when you hit that thing. Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit rushed in, the Bible says, like a mighty rushing wind. And it was at the end of three and a half years of ministry, it was at the end of Jesus dying on a cross, being buried for three days, being raised from the dead, appearing for 40 days with many infallible proofs, then ascending to the right hand of the Father, given the challenge to the 500 to go and wait and tarry in Jerusalem, 120 go into the upper room. They're there every single day, every single minute of every single day for 10 days, and then all of a sudden there's this mighty rushing wind. I love the fact that the Bible doesn't say there was around 100. There was, a, there was some, no, it says there were 120 specifically. It doesn't say they prayed around a week or so, give or take this. No, it says 10 days exactly. They were there for 10 days. And what's the Bible saying? Every single person that was there mattered. Every single person that showed up in the upper room, their faith mattered. Every single minute they were there, it mattered. Every single prayer they prayed, every single day, it mattered. And it was all of those little things combining together that created this moment where this mighty rushing wind came from heaven, filled the place, and then we see all of a sudden this major momentum behind that 120, and they walk out, and Peter preaches, and three thousand people get saved and we see the influence of the moment but really you got to go back and you got to see all those little victories that built up the momentum that launched the early church the bible says that the holy spirit is like that wind he blows wherever he wishes our job is to do the little things that god calls us to do and to be ready to have this, our sails up so when the Holy Spirit shows up, the momentum of heaven can get behind where we want to go in our life. 
Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. A gate is defensive. So it is describing that the kingdom of heaven is to be on the offense. We're not just to be setting back, waiting for things to happen. We're supposed to be on the side of saying, okay, let's make plans. Let's call some shots. Let's make some plays. Let's do some things to get things moving in the right direction. And the key to momentum is you let one victory lead to another victory. No matter how small it is, you celebrate it. No matter how minute it is, you make it a big deal. You look at it and you say, okay, I've got that victory down. I've got that victory behind me. And you let that one lead to the next one. And that's what happens in this story with David. He's simply riding the momentum. He says, listen, I I faced this lion and I faced this bear. And now I'm talking to you, King, because, because of those victories, I feel like I have the momentum behind me that I can take on this Goliath. Because David was saying he understood how momentum works. Our problem in church is sometimes we stop and we relax and we pull back after a victory. And we start saying, oh, well, that was really great. Now I can take my foot off the gas. But the truth is, after a victory is when you need to dig deep and keep on pushing more because momentum is behind you. I look back at church history, not that I think that revivals were always supposed to be sustained over a long period of time, but I do think that sometimes they, they are so shortly lived because people get so caught up in a revival that it doesn't finish, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't come to a completion. And it's because I think people get in the middle of it and they start to relax and they get their eyes on the past and what God's done before and they get their eye off of moving forward. So we have to say to God, God, thank you for the lion of life. Thank you for the victory in that area and thank you for the bear but I'm not going to stop. I'm gonna keep allowing momentum to build and to build and to build until I have the confidence to say, give me that giant. Give me that thing that everyone says is impossible. Give it to me, but I start with the small things. In sports, they call it getting in the zone. Everyone knows if someone's hot, you get the ball in their hands. Why? Because it's momentum. You ride Momentum. Years ago when we built this building that we're in right now, we were a couple weeks from moving into this building and it was a long process. I mean, it was, we had all kinds of setbacks. You know, all the stories that you always hear, we, we had all those. You know, sometimes I even had, was convinced that it wasn't, it wasn't gonna happen. It, it just wasn't God's will for us. And once it was done and it was complete, in my mind, this is it. I, I, I've done it, right? The biggest battle is behind me now. Now we can just kind of, now it's just smooth sailing. That's literally in my mind how I thought. And... In prayer, the Lord told me, 
that building was not Goliath to you. It was a lion. Be ready because that was not the biggest thing I'll ask you to do. That was a small victory. And when I heard that, I thought there was no way that this is a small victory. But in the eyes of God, he saw the No Hope Ranch. He saw us getting into prisons. He saw us there in Anderson, which by the way, the team is driving me around. We're looking at buildings all over Anderson and the east side. Just, just God just, just opening this door and that door and just trying to figure out. And I'm looking and I'm there and it's surreal to me because in my mind, it is true that even though I thought back then when I felt that in my spirit that, that this was it, God had the eyes to see into the future that that was just momentum and that that momentum would lead to greater momentum and that that victory would lead to other victories and that one day we could say, okay, now God, what kind of Goliath do you want us to take? There is something special about momentum. There's something special about knowing heaven is on your side. The favor of God is on your side and that giants are a part of your future. Years ago, I read a leadership book called Good to Great. And in this, this leadership book, they, they have something called the flywheel principle. I'm sorry, I feel like this is a staff meeting versus a church service. I <laughs> didn't mean to go this way with it. but And there's this cartoon picture in Good to Great and they call it the flywheel principle and there is this caveman and he's pushing this, this wheel that's like this massive like stone rock but it's, a, it's carved into a wheel and he's pushing it up this hillside and I mean he's sweating and all the effort he puts into it, it barely moves and then it goes a little bit further, you see the next little phase all the effort he puts into it that thing barely moves up the hill. And then eventually he gets to the top of it. And now he doesn't have his shoulder. He's not dug in. He's not sweating. Now he's just, now he's just guiding the wheel. And then the final side of the, the cartoon is that wheel goes over the side of that hillside. Now it's going down and he's chasing after the wheel. And the point of the book, it talks about how all those years of putting that hard work into things, eventually you start to see the things that at one time were very difficult, they get easier and easier. I think about how true this is in so many areas of our life. I think about how easy things can get if you're willing to put in the hard work on the front end. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, that the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. The point is, if you follow Saul in the beginning, he was anointed, he was prophesying, he was, was someone that waited on God's word and the prophet to him. He was someone that was sensitive to what God would say. He was very focused on Samuel, what would you say to me? He was always trying to find out what God was wanting him to do. And the Bible is clear that momentum was behind the king's life, that there was great momentum on, on, in favor on his life, but eventually he pulls back and he starts listening to the wrong voices. 
He starts focusing on the wrong things. He gets insecure. He allows uh, his focus to get off. And as all of those things were happen, happening, he lost momentum. And the Bible says that the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. In other words, momentum can go either way on you. Very, very rarely are you static. But you pull back all of a sudden and you think it's not a big deal and then that flywheel goes down the wrong side. And now that thing's rolling over the top of you and you're like, oh my God, how can I ever recover? But it's because you let off for just a little bit. So the house of Saul, he lets off for just a little bit and the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. When I think about this church and I think about all that God's done in this place, I'm aware that no matter what God's done in the past, we've gotta be careful to focus on the momentum and how God got us to where we're at, and we've gotta keep celebrating the small victories. You've heard this story before, but I can remember when momentum was going the other way. And I can remember when, when more people were leaving than were coming. And I can remember when our finances went flat. And I can remember uh, all kinds of different scary conversations that were going on. And I'm a young, I look back now and I think I'm a young, I was a kid. I was just a baby back then. Maybe I wasn't, but in my mind, I look back now and I'm like, you poor kid, you know, like, and, um, and, and I'm looking at it all and I'm on my way home from church one day and I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me, did someone get saved today? I said, yes, someone did get saved today. And I felt like the Lord said, if you'll just keep focusing on that, the momentum will turn. And so we made a decision. This would be 16 plus years ago we made this decision. This is the decision we made. We build our church one altar call at a time. We build our church one family at a time. The best that we're able to, we don't, oh, we're not always perfect at it. I wish we were. I wish we didn't drop balls. I wish we weren't flawed human beings. But as much as, and if we're not where we need to be, we're trying to find out where are the leaks, where is the loss of momentum, because we understand how important it is that we do everything that we can do to keep momentum moving in the right direction. I think about how many people lose momentum in their life because they just started listening to the wrong voices. You gotta make a decision, I'm gonna ride the momentum. Because as long as Saul was listening to the wrong voices, the Bible says his house got weaker and weaker. But David started to lean into God and the Bible says his house became stronger and stronger. And if you follow the life of David, one victory in his life led to another victory, and then another victory, and he refused to forfeit the momentum. Let's look at it, Second uh, Samuel chapter eight, verse one. In the course of time, David defeated the Philistines. He subdued them, and he took Metheg, Ammah, from the control of the Philistines. David also defeated the Moabites. He made them lie down on the ground and measured them off with a length of a cord. Every two lengths of them were put to death and the third length was allowed to live. So the Moabites became subject to David and he brought them tribute. Moreover, David defeated this guy and the king of this place and he went to restore his monument 
at the Euphrates River. And David captured a thousand of his chariots and 7,000 charioteers and 20,000 foot soldiers. He hamstrung all but a hundred of the chariot horses. When the Armenians of Damascus came to help that guy, David struck down the 22,000 of them and he put garrisons on them in the kingdom of Damascus and they became subject to him and brought tribute and the Lord gave David victory wherever he went. He refused one victory, led to the next one, led to the next one, led to the next one. I think that's why faithfulness to the house of God is so critical for people. There's just something about the rhythm of getting a head start on your week. I'm starting my week right. I'm starting my week with God as the focus. I'm putting him first. I'm not gonna go into a week without him. I need his presence. I need his favor. I, 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 need, I need, there's just something about it that sets the stage for victory for the rest of your week. The Bible says we're to go from glory to glory. We don't experience glory and then stop. We're to continue to press into it. We're to continue to press into faith and to go from faith to faith and from victory to victory in our life. Joshua chapter 10, you've heard the story, but Joshua has victory over the Amorites, but the sun is beginning to set and he knows if darkness sets in, the enemy will pull back together and the chance of him getting this kind of a position on the enemy, he knows that chance is not going to happen. And so he prays that God would cause the sun to stand still. And it did it for 24 hours. And the Bible says there's never been a day like that since. Why did Joshua pray that the sun would stand still? Because he understood momentum was on his side. He knew that the, earth, the enemy would reconvene, and so he said, I cannot let the enemy get back momentum. I wanna challenge you. We began this year with spiritual momentum. We said, okay, God, we're gonna pray. We're gonna fast. We're gonna get in your word. And the enemy wants you to get your eye off of some of the small victories you've already had this year. Because the truth of the matter is that kind of momentum if you'll continue it throughout the year, you'll look back and this will be a different year for you. But at the same time, the enemy knows how to get momentum as well. And you look back and you think, well, man, how did that addiction get such a stronghold on my life? How, how, how did that negativity, how did that discouragement go? How, how did that, those terrible behaviors, that, those bad patterns, how did that bad attitude, how did that horrible uh, approach, how did all these my relationships, look at, look at all the relationships. They're all negative and they're all toxic. How did that happen? It's because somewhere along the way, you, you failed to realize that the enemy is looking to gain momentum in your life as well. And so Joshua knew, I cannot let the enemy reconvene in the dark times. I've got to do whatever I have to do, even if that's pray that the sun will stand still Whatever I've got to do, I've got to keep the godly momentum in my life. And I want to challenge you to not take divine momentum for granted. The Bible says that Joshua ended up conquering Jericho. 
this massive, fortified, impossible-to-conquer city. He goes out of Jericho with great momentum. He faces this small little city by the name of Ai, and Ai defeats him, and he goes to God, and he's trying to figure out how is it possible with such momentum that we lost that kind of a battle? Where did the momentum go? And God shows Joshua that the momentum was lost because of sin that entered the camp. And that sin is the thing that causes us to take momentum for granted. Sin is the thing that causes us to, to not celebrate the victories in our life. And so Joshua went and he dealt with the sin of Achan. And once he dealt with that sin, momentum returned. The Bible says David, again, was unstoppable. Nothing could stop him. And then one day, for some reason, when all the other kings were out to war, he hung back. He underestimated. He took momentum for granted. And the Bible says that as he hung back, of course, we would know that he fell into sin with Bathsheba that led to the killing of Uriah. And he lost momentum and the move of God in his life was stopped because sin is that thing that is trying to enter our life. It's always at the door. It's always cracked. It's always looking for a way in to kill the spiritual momentum in your life. Never underestimate how sin can cause the momentum of your life to erode away. And I'm closing with this and we're done. Elisha is at the end of his life. He's on his deathbed. And he wants to anoint someone to carry on his legacy. Joash, the king, comes into his bedroom. He's there on his deathbed. And he says to him, I want you to grab those arrows that represent the weapons of deliverance. I want you to grab them and I want you to hit the ground. And he grabs them and You've probably heard the story, but he just kind of taps, lightly taps the ground a few times. And Elisha is dying, and he, he gets furious at this king, and he says to him, because you only tapped the ground three times, he basically says to him, because you didn't strike the ground with intensity five or even six times, the enemy is gonna regain momentum on you. And then the Bible says, Elisha dies. Elisha dies, the end of his life, what was he saying? He was looking at this young king and he was saying to him, you underestimate momentum. You underestimate how important it is to stay at a level of intensity. Once God starts to give you victories, you gotta keep the intensity up. You gotta realize that momentum is a blessing. It's a blessing in your family. It's a blessing. I, I, and I, I was thinking about this today, just, and just, just on my way in, I was thinking about how for some of you, you don't know how much God's doing behind the scenes, right? Jesus was hanging on that bloody cross and it didn't look like victory was heading his way. Then they take his lifeless body off of the cross and they lay it in a tomb and it looks like, what it looks like is it looks like there's absolutely no momentum. What, at this point, anything God was doing, it looked like a grave. But behind the scenes, Jesus 
had descended into hell and he's there defeating death, hell, sin, and the grave. And behind the scenes, momentum is building. And then on the third day, right, the Bible says he came up out of that tomb, out of that grave. And then for 40 days, he keeps working on the early church and working on the disciples. And then, and then Acts, he shows up. And all of these things happen. And now we've been a part of 2,000 years of momentum. But some of you, you're looking at the marriage and it looks lifeless. For you, it's like a tomb. You're looking at those sons and those daughters. You're looking at your career. You're looking at the dream. You're looking at, at the addiction you believed that God would free you from and now you're back in it and you're looking at it all and in your mind, it's that grave, it's that tomb. But behind the scenes, you've got to trust that God is working on your behalf. You gotta trust that resurrection is coming, that life is coming, that God is going to give you the victory. And just because right now it doesn't look like it, you cannot give up and you cannot quit because you made it to church today, you got that small victory. We're gonna spend some time praying as we close today and we're gonna get some more momentum behind us. And then you're gonna go home tonight and you're gonna open up that book and you're gonna get back in the word and you're gonna say, tomorrow I'm gonna try to get up and I'm gonna try to spend some time with God and I'm gonna get another victory and I'm gonna get another victory and I'm gonna get another victory and I'm gonna get another victory. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.